Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, we'll bring on some experts, talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Kelly Whalen, a marketing professional and association enthusiast, and I'm so happy you're here. And now let's start the show. Thanks for tuning in to the Member Engagement Show. Today, I'm joined by Hannah Holman. Hannah graduated from Ohio University in 2021 with a Bachelor of Science in Strategic Communication Journalism. She worked as a program manager with Mountain Tennessee Outreach Project in Colmont, Tennessee to alleviate substandard housing in rural Appalachia. She currently serves as the membership assistant at Public Responsibility in Medicine and Research, or PRIMER, a nonprofit organization dedicated to advancing ethical research that has a membership arm. Hannah handles member recruitment and retention, produces member content, and serves as one of the primary points of contact for PRIMER's members. So it's safe to say, like many of our listeners, that she thinks a lot about how to attract and retain members on a day-to-day basis. I'm excited to chat with Hannah today about considerations for associations looking to engage the next generation of members and staff and to adapt to a changing world. So now I'll pass it over to Hannah to share a little bit more about herself and the work she does. Thanks, Kelly. That was great. Like she said, my name is Hannah. I'm 23, which puts me on the older end of Generation Z. Um, In my current role, I'm tasked with member retention. Like she mentioned, I produce member content and write membership-related pieces for our website and other organization publications. So I'm super excited to be here, and thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to jump into this conversation. So a theme that comes up a lot on the podcast, I think, um, is listening to what the audiences you'd like to engage are looking for. So I'd be really interested to hear from you, like you said, as a member of Gen Z, about what some of your key considerations are when looking for professional roles. I think... The first thing that comes to mind when I think about what Gen Z is looking for in an employer is, I guess, the word transparency. I think salary transparency, moral and ethical transparency, and even diversity transparency, for example. I think a lot of Gen Z is looking for very specific morals and um, organizations to say those morals outright. Um, Just like Um, older generations, I think that the biggest thing is obviously benefits and compensation. Um, I think that my generation is getting away from being employed by organizations that make you do more work than you're getting paid for. Um, And that's not to say that we don't have a great work ethic, because I think that we do. I have friends who work, you know, until 9, 10 p.m. But the only way we're going to do that is if we're getting adequately compensated for that work. Yeah. And I think transparency and genuine effort when it comes to DEIJ efforts, so diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. Um, I think that's also huge for Gen Z, um, simply because we've lived through some extremely (laughs) traumatic um, experiences in our younger years. So I think that being employed by an organization that is very straightforward and that type of work is really important. And yeah, I think the difference between some older generations and our generation is that Gen Z is more likely to work to support our our life and our passions instead of 
having work be our life and our passion. You know, I think we're also looking to have fun too. I know that sounds kind of silly in a professional way or in a professional conversation, but Gen Z is kind of known for their offbeat sense of humor and wit. So if an organization isn't appealing to personality as well, that could be a turnoff. Um, I think we want to feel supported through genuine personal conversation and have opportunities to make relationships with colleagues on a more personal level as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I feel like any generation is kind of impacted by the things they've experienced in their lifetime and especially in like formative years. And I think like if you are coming into the workforce after, I mean, frankly, the pandemic, just like kind of seeing both like your life changed drastically and also like people died and like kind of witnessing that and seeing, sorry to take it on such a dark turn. No, no, you're right. seeing, Seeing that like your longevity is not guaranteed and wanting to have that life outside of work and maybe not have work be your passion makes a lot of sense in that context because you, again, your next day isn't guaranteed. So why would you then, unless you really like enjoy what you're doing, you wouldn't want to necessarily be like spending the majority of your time at work. You want to have a job that supports your life outside of work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. We're also the first generation to live in a post 9-11 world too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our formative years were, I guess, fearful really. Um, So uh, like what you're saying makes a ton of sense. I think we as a generation are going to get more and more away from having work be the primary driving factor in our lives. I mean, on top of that, I think we've seen a lot of changes in work and learning environments over especially the last few years, I think it's been, it was already a trajectory potentially because like as technological advancements are happening, like of course things change, but I think there was like an escalation in that change with the pandemic and having to like move to remote so quickly. And I don't think this always comes down specifically to generational differences, but I'm wondering about your thoughts about like planning ahead to bring in the next generation of members in this environment of the change in the ways that work and learning happen? I think first, technology is absolutely vital because the way we use technology and how it's been a part of our lives compared to other generations is drastically different. I mean, personally, I did two full years of college completely remotely. (laughs) I didn't have any in-person instruction. So that being said, we're very well-versed technologically. But getting into the specifics, I, I think that That means going beyond email. There's so much email and it's human nature to block out the noise. So if you're getting emails constantly from organizations or marketing emails, for example, you're going to block them out. You're going to delete any emails that aren't coming from your colleagues or your coworkers because there's just so much content and so many um, things to pay attention to. So I think to answer your question, coming up with ways to creatively pop into our lives, like posts on LinkedIn, advertisements on social media, like Instagram stories, things like that, making a funny TikTok that subtly communicates, you know, the value of membership. Because my generation, we're definitely not reading any unnecessary emails. That's for sure. Yeah, I think too, like I, as someone who like has spent a lot of their career doing email, I always, I think there's just a running joke about whether or not email is dead. And I I wouldn't say that it is. I mean, we just had our email benchmark report go out that was that kind of showed that that people still open emails, but I think it becomes a very important like you said, 
to not like inundate people with emails. So you're not going to necessarily have better results from sending like six emails about the same thing because you're just, people are drowning in Mm -hmm. emails. So I agree with you, like diversifying the channels that you're communicating with your members on seems really important in this era. And so not to say that you wouldn't send an email too, but like you can't just rely on email. That can't be the only way that you're communicating with people. Um, And I think every time you're communicating with your members, you have to be communicating value um, so that they have a desire to open your email, your emails or to engage with your community. Like I think sending people to community, for example, that's another touch point where you can engage your members on if they're like invested in the community, if they're seeing value in going to that community and logging in there, like they might log into another like social media site. Mm-hmm. You have that additional touch point. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. I think reducing the barrier to communication is huge. Our generation has really easy access to information through the internet. Um, you can teach yourself skills very easily. There's free master classes, YouTube videos, LinkedIn and Google certificates, even the list goes on and on and on. So making yourself visible as a point of contact in a world that's overrun by content can be extremely helpful. And I think as far as messaging goes, I think the value of membership, like you said, needs to be shown in a very clear and concise way. So maybe saying how an association membership can help us advance and get a raise through certification or other professional development, or like you said, pointing out that a community can be a specific place to solve a specific problem that somebody's having because we're used to instant gratification and we're not going to be reading a 200 word post, 200 word email. Um, and honestly, I think you're lucky if we read like a 50 word <laughs> post. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to the original question, I got a little off topic there. I think one thing to watch out for while entering the new age of technology is that my generation has a very low tolerance for the fact that some organizations could use outdated systems. I think older generations were maybe digital pioneers, if you will. They created all the pathways to integrate technology into you know, corporate nonprofit spheres, but they've never had to ex- learn to accept that technology into their day-to-day roles. But my generation, on the other hand, we expect technology to be able to do just about anything and do it seamlessly. So if your systems aren't efficient, I don't think you will be gaining or keeping our attention. That makes a lot of sense. And actually, in my own experience, that's something I, I kind of admire about the folks from Gen Z that I've worked with is that the impetus to action, their impetus to, impetus to action is lower. So if you if you have like an inefficient system or something, I feel like the, the point at which somebody checks out is like much sooner than I than maybe I even personally would do. And I think that's something to be embraced. Like or it should be embraced by organizations, both for their staff and their members. Like if, if you have Gen Z staff or Gen Z members that are saying like, Hey, this thing doesn't work that well. Like this is not the most efficient way to do this. I would listen and be like, okay, do you have ideas about what we could do better? Have you, or do you want to, um, like this might be an opportunity for growth where you say to someone, thanks for pointing that out. Instead of being like cranky that someone's pointing out, this doesn't work out, work well. It's an opportunity to, opportunity to say, Hey, thanks for pointing that out. Do you have time to like research some other options and come back to me and make a proposal for something that would work better? 
And then not only have you heard and listened to this uh, this person bringing you an opportunity to improve efficiency, you've also given that person an opportunity to showcase their professional skills and like take on like a project that they can lead and bring bring you possibly a way to improve something. And maybe you won't implement it the way that they're bringing it to you, but it's to me it's worth having that conversation. No, I totally agree. Although I haven't been working professionally for years. There've been a few times where I've made a suggestion and it, it could be put on the back burner. And I think that can be a huge mistake <laughs> um, just because there are organizations that are listening to their younger staff members. Those organizations are on trend, adaptable, and usually fairly up to date. So if your organization isn't listening, that immediately gives you the disadvantage in recruiting the next generation of employees. Like like you said too, I'm not saying we're always right or it always has to be implemented in the exact way that is suggested, but I am saying that we're usually fairly on trend. So at least considering what younger employees have to say, I think can be really beneficial. I think maybe implementing some sort of team to constantly evaluate your vendors and your operation and maybe adding a few members of Gen Z to that team is very crucial. And yeah, like you said, I don't think that organizations should waste the value of, especially our technological opinions, because we've grown up getting to know those kinds of systems. I do think too, that kind of leads into one of my other like questions or concerns. One thing I worry about, and I feel like when we've talked before, you've mentioned this, as someone in the association space, I'm worried that maybe like young people just aren't interested in joining associations or they don't even know they're out there. And that's, again, as someone who works like for an organization that supports associations, like that worries me. And it, it's something I try to think about, like, how do we kind of like bridge that gap? Like, how do we communicate the value of an association? And I think to your point, like listening to the staff that you have that are from that generation could help you like figure out ways to engage those folks as members too. Right. No, you're definitely right. And last time we had this conversation, I kind of thought on it a little bit. And in my head, I was thinking about the acronym FOMO. Do you know what that means? Yeah. Yeah. But I can define for our (laughs) listeners, if you're not familiar with FOMO, um, that would be fear of missing out. And it actually impacts a lot of my own life. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I think FOMO was probably introduced by millennials. But my generation, I think, has fully embraced that term. Um, One thing about Gen Z is we just don't want to be left behind um, in in any situation. We're very competitive and want to be the best based on what I've seen and heard from a lot of my friends. But it got me thinking successes are constantly displayed through social media, kind of like a highlight reel. And we've been engaging with that type of media since we were young, sometimes even as young as like 10 or 11. So Gen Z doesn't want to miss out on any opportunity to forward their progress to promotions or upward mobility in their careers. And and then I also started thinking about individuality, like growing up with apps and on-demand media, we expect everything to be personalized. Um, We're accustomed to endless choices and want to be approached as individuals by recruiters and employers. So I think tapping into that side of our generation could be really powerful when it comes to member recruitment. Yeah, like you said, and I'm glad you brought this up, there's a a lot more of work-life divide within our generation. So I think connecting those two and saying, you know, you're going to miss out on these professional opportunities if you don't take advantage of our membership could be a good way um, 
to getting our attention. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it goes back to like, I mean, this is true of any like membership efforts, like you want to communicate value. So you kind of have to figure out what the value is. And like you're describing here with Gen Z, perhaps the value is like really clearly and explicitly communicating how you can help them in their careers as opposed to like maybe like waffling around it. Like, I think maybe just like directly saying like, oh, do you want to raise do you want to move up in your career? Like, here are the ways that our association can help you do that. And I wonder too about like maybe being more explanatory of like orienting people to what an association, how, how someone should use an association. So like, I think about how we orient members to membership. Like if you have a new member join, you onboard them so they know what all the values of that specific membership is. But I wonder too about even like before you get to that point, maybe with Gen Z, there's a little bit of orienting to like why associations, like what does an association do for you? Why do people join associations? Because there might not have been, I mean, I actually don't know. This is maybe something I have, I don't have a lot of information about, but I feel like somehow there's been like this gap in mentorship or something of like, sharing with the next generation, like why they would even join an association. Whereas that seemed to kind of go like clockwork with previous generations in a weird way. I think most of my generation wouldn't even know what I was talking about. If I said like a professional development organization or association, Um, and if they do know what they are, they definitely don't know the value of them. I think Gen Z in general, like, I don't even know if this could be solved because I think they, in general, they don't want to put any extra time into professional development or um, like work pretty much like, cause we talked about that, that divide between life and work. So I think maybe focusing, one thing I could, I could see working is focusing to appeal to a very specific demographic of Generation Z. So finding those people who are really career oriented um, because there are those people. And I, I assume you could find those types of people through a CRM or database knowledge or, you know, pulling demographics through online advertisements. But yeah, it definitely is something that I think associations should start to consider because you're definitely right. I, I went through college with um, like some professors who I looked up to as mentors, but once I got into my professional career, I really don't have one or two or three specific people who are pulling me through the professional sphere, I guess you could say. Yeah. And maybe that's like, it It strikes me that then there's this opportunity for an association to do that, to, to maybe, I don't know, highlight that they can help folks or, and but I think you have to get your foot in the door first. Like you can't communicate with Gen Z unless you have their attention somehow. Mm-hmm. So it, Maybe it's like making sure that your learning opportunities are like out there and that they're very accessible and that, you know, then if someone joins like you for a webinar or a micro event, like some kind of like networking event or something that you then have this follow up to them that's like, hey, did you like that event or that training or what have you? here's how membership now could help you, which I don't think is like, that's not a brand new concept. Like membership organizations already do that. But I think kind of figuring out how to get that first touch point with your potential Gen Z members and then really building on that and Mm -hmm. very clearly communicating like, this is the value you could get out of this. 
these are the types of things that could help you. Here's like a next step for you, or here's a pathway for you, making it just really clearly communicating where they should go from there and what they could get out of it. No, I definitely agree. I I try to kind of mention that with some different examples, like Instagram advertisements and TikTok videos, because I, I know this is very stereotypical Gen Z of me, but I can think of some specific companies, um, and this isn't really necessarily associations, but different like corporate companies that I just really enjoy watching their TikTok videos. I think that they're so funny and so engaging, and I look forward to see what they post next. And in turn, that's highlighted their brand in my head in so many different ways. So I think trying to brainstorm creative ways like you said, it just pop up kind of here and there um, can be really, really impactful. But yeah, I think you're right. It, it's a tricky situation. It strikes me that in something you were just saying about like TikTok brands that do things well, what it becomes is like you become part of someone's routine. So like it, it, I'm just thinking about like the death grip Duolingo has on like people um, mm-hmm. and that they lean into that and then they become this like source of entertainment for people. People become attached to the brand. Even like I don't even have Duolingo and I've like watched their TikTok videos and now I like think about them, even though I there's no reason that I would have been thinking about them otherwise. I think there's something that associations could maybe learn about that. Like, I don't know that you have to go to that extreme, but I think the idea of building off of what you've brought up a couple of times, like popping up subtly in people's lives or like becoming part of their routine in a way that they are like looking at your brand more often, that they're like seeing you and then you're on their mind. No, I completely agree. I think of a lot of airlines actually on TikTok that do that well. There's some really funny, I mean, in reality, it's marketing, obviously. But mm-hmm. like you said, it, it just feels like this sort of like social connection that you have with a brand um, that I think people haven't seen in the past. I think that TikTok specifically is is very good at doing that, making making you feel like you're a part of them. So yeah, it just goes back to creating that relationship and putting your organization or your association on people's minds in in subtle ways. It kind of all fits in with the same theme of, I feel like some things that we've been talking about today. So like diversifying the way that you do things and also leveraging the innate or like connected knowledge of Gen Z in your own staff. So like if you have Gen Z staff, then you might even just sit down for a brainstorming session and be like, what would make you join an association and Mm -hmm. truly ask? Or if you don't have Gen Z staff, maybe you could set up, this isn't even like, this is not a brand new marketing concept. Like focus groups are a thing, like set up a meeting with some members if they're willing to chat with you about like, what would they like to see? Or what do they think that you do really well so that you can get ideas to diversify the way that you do things, whether that's diversifying your community or sorry, your communication strategies, or whether that's diversifying your education strategies. Because I think not just with Gen Z, but you can't necessarily just do things the way that you've always done them. Like if you really enjoyed having an in-person conversation or an in-person conference for every person, I think that I hear say that I can think of other like more, maybe more introverted folks who are like, wow, I really don't miss going to in-person conferences. I love doing things virtually. I think that goes back to 
the point I made where we're so used to choice, you know, like we, and we're also like you mentioned, very decisive in our, in our, where, where we put our energy. So yeah, for going off of your example, an in-person conference, maybe an in-person conference went virtual during the pandemic and you got a lot more, you know, Gen Z applicants or registrants and, or just more people in general. It doesn't even have to be Gen Z. I think offering that choice and like you said, diversifying your avenues for reaching people is really, really crucial in 2023. Things things have changed. And I think not acknowledging that things have changed is really could be detrimental to organizations. Uh, and I, I, I just like that that kind of just goes hand in hand again with what you said earlier about like having maybe spaces to evaluate your processes and making sure there's a couple, there's different voices at the table, including your, maybe your Gen Z staff, maybe including some members from different groups, just to come up with new ideas and not necessarily like sink resources and time into things that maybe, even if they were really successful in the past, that doesn't mean they're going to be really successful going forward. I think mm-hmm. it's like a constant evaluation. And I and I don't think it has to be over the top or hard. I just think it's taking that time, having that time like structured into what you do to think through those things. Even thinking about this podcast, do you know how it how it came about? Oh, actually, I I don't I think um before I joined Higher Logic, there was someone who like started the podcast and then it has had a couple different hosts. But you know, I think it maybe came out of a desire to have a more casual place to discuss stuff with mm-hmm. people. Like you have your more structured conferences or webinars or, you know, maybe like learning resources where someone reads something, but maybe you also, maybe some people like to listen to just a casual chat between people. And that also goes into what you were saying about online communities and just having casual, candid conversations about struggles and differences and, you know, a changing landscape. I, I I know you said in one of our earlier conversations, an online community is just, it's not just networking. It's also a place to vent. And, you know, if there's anything that Gen Z loves, it's to, it's to vent. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I would, I'd put myself as a millennial, I would also say, um, and maybe I'm just a complainer, but like one of my favorite things is to like, joke about like the dumb things about my job with other people who do similar jobs. Like I follow, there's like the millennial uh, marketer or something on Instagram and those memes, like they get me the the memes (laughs) making fun of marketers. Like I love, I love it. I love being mocked. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think I said that honestly, in our, one of our first questions, members of Gen Z are looking for companies that have good fun cult like a good fun culture where you can you know talk about the parts that kind of stink i think in based on my perspective i think in the past you know the negative parts of employment just weren't discussed in general and i think that that is something that is drastically different probably started by millennials you know talking about how yeah work stinks sometimes and you know it's kind of funny that we all have to go through it together so yeah, like you said, creating those spaces like a podcast, like online communities, or just like a, a working group, like a like a like a lunch, things like that. I think are, can just be very beneficial to creating a more fun and engaging, you know, company culture. 
it, it just, it does, it comes back to like transparency, which you said like in the first five minutes of us talking, I feel like not being afraid to have like transparent, candid conversations, mm-hmm. whether that's with your staff or with your members um, and like having that space to like hear those things that people have to say where they're like, hey, this, this piece isn't that great, but this other piece is great. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like overly negative, but I don't think you, I also don't think you want to have like toxic positivity or just like forcing pigeonholing people into specific ways that you think that they should engage. Like I think you should listen to how they want to engage and what they're looking for so that you can offer that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think like kind of like recapping what I feel like I've been hearing, it's like transparently communicating your organization's like values, your DEIJ efforts, maybe even if it's for staff, your salary and culture to attract folks that are so they can see if the organization is going to be a good fit for them. And then when you have to me, when you have the next generation on your staff, you're better positioned to engage the next generation in your membership because you should mm-hmm. be creating these spaces to hear from those folks like what they would be looking for or what ideas they have. Yeah. Um, and that that just helps you then diversify your communication channels, your learning opportunities so that you're creating these like or so that you're showing these different value propositions to potential members and you're telling them why they should be part of your organization and you're offering this personalized experience because they have choice, like you said earlier. And I think technology like undergirds all of that. Like you you mm-hmm. have to have the technology to be able to support your personalization, to support these different learning opportunities. So I think taking a good look at, God, sometimes I hate this word, your tech stack. <laughs> like I just feel like I hear it all the time, but like taking a good look at your tech stack and saying like, what are the things we're trying to achieve and where are the inefficiencies? And yeah. and again, listening to your staff, your potentially your Gen Z staff or your younger staff who are saying, hey, this isn't efficient. And I like, maybe they would literally say, I did this better this way in college. Yeah. Like I I yeah. frankly like feel like I've heard that from people. They're like, wait, yeah. why are you using this Excel spreadsheet? You could use XYZ thing. And I'm like, yeah. wow, I didn't even know that existed. I mean, even something as simple as like, making graphics in Canva. Like you don't need yeah. this huge expensive vendor system to create a comprehensive cohesive deck like you said. You can just go to Canva and they will be pretty much pre-made for you. You can fill in your colors and edit the fonts if you want. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. subtle changes that can make things leaps and bounds easier and oftentimes cheaper as well. But yeah. yeah. I think we got a good flow going there. I I love the recap. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I just felt like there were so many like ideas within the same, like same themes that were coming together. So I really like that Canva example, example you bring up too, because like, and I'm sad for people who have like a degree in graphic design and not to say that graphic design still isn't this really valuable skill. Like sometimes it's just the sense of like someone have a, having a good like eye for things. But like you said, it doesn't have to be this huge expensive platform. It doesn't have to be the most complicated structure you've ever like built on like Adobe Illustrator. Like right. you can use a template in Canva that someone yeah. else built. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like you said, graphic design definitely isn't unnecessary. There's definitely, if you want to build like we're saying a virtual conference and you need a graphic designer. Absolutely. But if you just want your Instagram to look cute, definitely utilize Canva. It it takes much less manpower or woman power, people power. And 
it's cheap. It's free in some cases. So yeah, no, definitely. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot of really interesting, cool stuff today. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your opinion. I feel like I put you on the spot of like, tell me what Gen Z wants. Um, So I really appreciate your opinion, both as someone who works at an association and is part of um, Gen Z, but also as a just a membership person who's doing the same thing that our listeners are doing to try to engage members. Yeah, absolutely. This was so fun. Thank you so much. And I really commend you on walking the walk, you know, talking about bringing Gen Z into conversations, you know, you did it. And I'm, I'm really thankful for this opportunity. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And and for those of you listening that, you know, want to keep having this conversation about attracting and retaining the next generation of association members and staff, Higher Logic is having a webinar on March 21st from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Um, We're going to have a panel of folks who will kind of do a similar thing. They're going to discuss and explore the ways associations can support the next generation of incoming staff and members. Um, I think we're going to talk about considerations for your technological infrastructure, ideas for cultivating a flexible work and learning environment, um, strategies for supporting members and staff's professional growth. So I think that'll be another really great conversation because like we talked about today, we kind of want to hear like all a bunch of different perspectives because we get better ideas when we all share our ideas and brainstorm together. Um, Well, thank you again, Hannah, for coming on. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Um, We'll see you next time.